Hi, welcome again to Healthcare Marketing Insights for the week of April 27. I am Chris Bevelo, president of Interval, the healthcare marketing agency that puts out the podcast. And we have with us our director of design, Adam Meyer. Hey. And we have a guest with us today, Eric Hansen. Hi, Eric. Hello. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us. Eric is a member of the corporate communications team at Fairview Health Services here in the Twin Cities, one of the largest systems in Minnesota. Uh, also, Eric is an independent consultant with ACH Communications, a firm that consults in the interactive PR and marketing spaces. He has a blog called Communications Conversations, and he is what I would call a Twitter leader because I think that's how we first met, isn't it? Wow, it is. I wouldn't. I don't know if I'd go that far, but we definitely <laughs> didn't just meet online um, on Twitter. And that's you know one of the great things about Twitter is that most sometimes you can take those um, electronic relationships and make them face to face in real life. Yes, relationships. I, I, I count you among the the holy trinity of the folks who kind of got me into to Twitter. The first was Adam, who you know brought it up early on, and I dismissed it. And you know he kind of <laughs> hung in there, and, and then got me into it. Uh, and then there was a consultant that we had who who also was advocating for social media interaction on our part. But then once I got into it, I still was kind of fumbling around. And Eric, you kind of introduced yourself, introduced me to the Sunday night. Uh, I think it's now it's the hashtag HCSM. Correct. Tweet chat. Uh, and once I got into that, I really just just fell into the, the to the canyon of Twitter. And now I use it all the time. So I think there's a thank you in order for that. You're <laughs> welcome. And it is a canyon. <laughs> it right. is a canyon. Right. Yeah, it's kind of a never ending canyon, isn't it? So we're going to dive into uh, a number of things today. But I know one of your passions, Eric, is social media. So uh, we wanted to start with uh, where should the responsibility for social media uh, as far as communications tool, where should that fall within a healthcare organization? So a health system or a hospital, let's just focus on those. Uh, you know, is it, is it within the marketing communications department, the PR department? Uh, are, there, are there other places it should be? I mean, what have, you, have you heard other hospitals or health systems that, are, that have the responsibility to fall outside of, of marketing communications? Not necessarily. My take is that um, I feel pretty strongly that it needs to fall within PR and communications. Sure. I think what's going to happen is it's going to fall within marketing just because in the, in the healthcare organizations, marketing holds the upper hand over PR and communications. But if you think about social media for a second and you look at any of the job descriptions of a community builder, a social media strategist, any of that stuff, if you look at, look at Connie Benson's blog sometime, look at all the community builder resources she has in her blog. A lot of the skill sets that you see in those job descriptions and those roles are foundational to PR and communications. So good writing skills, check. Right. Communication skills, check. Consulting skills, check. What Amber Naslin refers to as bridge building skills, check. All that stuff, you need all that. That's inherent in the role. And if you start talking about placing social media in um, an environment outside of marketing and communications, um, so IT, I, I think that's um, that could be potentially disastrous for companies now marketing is not as you know i think there's a fit in marketing but mar i think marketers by and large look at things a little bit differently than communicators and that mm -hmm. they're a little more analytical uh they're a little more black and white whereas communicators are more um for lack of a better term touchy-feely so and social media is a nuanced a nuanced right. channel right so right. you have to understand the the little um ebbs and flows of it and it's not so much well we're going to put an roi on it we're going to expect this and that out of it it's it's not as formed yet, and communicators, um, by and large, 
I think, understand that a little bit more than marketers. But I'm interested to hear what you guys think on that, too. Well, first, I think, you, you know, it's good to draw a distinction between marketing communications. We, also, we often lump all those together because a lot of the folks we work with, you know, it's one person who wears like 80 hats. So marketing communications, you know, you name it, they do it. Uh, but in a lot of, especially big organizations, those are split. And I think you're right. Uh, you, you hear often, in fact, I've heard this from a couple of our clients who are marketing oriented, who say, well, you know, how I want to use this to, to figure out how to promote a certain service line. Or they're thinking from a marketing perspective of we want to drive business results, which is counter to something like Twitter, uh, at least in how it's, how, it, how it's really used. So it doesn't mean you can't fit it into a, a marketing plan or a marketing campaign. But if you're coming across like you're blatantly trying to sell something, that's usually where you're going to fall down. And that's where I think you can draw a distinction. I don't know, Adam, what's your take on that? You've been inside like Eric, too, on the client side. Yeah, well, you know, and there's a, there's a good example um, that I just saw yesterday or maybe two, two days ago of a local healthcare organization that Twitters. And um, they were promoting a second account, Twitter account, that they had just set up, which I, I think it was something, something pro. And I believe the primary use of it for them was going to be talking about employment opportunities. Right. And I, if I'm not mistaken, I'm, I believe it's going to be probably driven by somebody in HR. So that... Is that North Memorial that did that? Right, right. Yeah. I think it's... I, that, I would say, is, an example, is, a, is a creative example of how you could potentially use something like Twitter... Um, and allow control to be outside of marketing or communications, as long as the person who's controlling it knows where to draw the line with what they're putting up there, or knows what's appropriate, what's not appropriate to be going in there. Right. And there's a good opportunity for communicators. I'm guessing, and I'm hoping at North Memorial, they would, the communicators would probably be coaching right. the HR folks on how to use the tool, right. when it's appropriate, when to listen, when to engage, that kind of stuff. Yep. Well, and that's where, that's where the communicators have to be involved because there could be a number of different content points or channels. HR is a great example where somebody marketing communications may not have the understanding of the audience, what they're looking for, how those messages are a little bit different. Uh, and just driving that content would be difficult for somebody who's not in that discipline, but they have the skills to understand, like you said before, Eric, how to communicate with people, how to nuance that, how to build messages, those, those kind of things. And Take it from a different vantage point, your, your original question. Um, think about the company or the organ healthcare organizations out there right now that are really doing this well, social media-wise. Mayo, right? So there's Mayo is, uh, we all know, is very active in the social media space, and they're one of the premier brands across the country, right? Right. Across and at Mayo, right, yeah. <laughs> right. Um, and at Mayo, that all funnels up through Lee, right? right. And Lee is really a communicator, right? So he's an old um, media relations guy who's now a social media advocate and champion at, for Mayo. And Lee's a communicator. And that, all that stuff funnels. I think that's why they've had such great success is that Lee understands the basics, obviously. He's a, he's a great writer. He's a great communicator. And he's found a way to build the bridges across the behemoth that is Mayo. Right. And engage a ton of different people around these tools and how they can use them to build their brand to uh, build brand reputation, to get people to come through Mayo's front doors, ultimately. Right. So I only follow Lee. Do they have multiple folks who Twitter? We'll just use that for an example. Do you, do you guys know if Mayo Clinic does? 
I don't know of any. I'm not sure either. I don't. I don't follow any more than now. I, I had a reporter ask me about w what did I think of Lee, uh, kind of rising to the top. I and mean, he was on Good Morning America. He's he's been kind of making the national rounds, uh, promoting Twitter as much as use of Twitter for healthcare, social media for healthcare. And you know, my response was more power to him. You know, this this industry is so conservative in adopting new things. Uh, and it's also kind of renowned for looking across the street and seeing what other people are doing before you take that step. And if nobody's doing it, nobody's taking the first step. So when you have Mayo Clinic, like you guys said, one of the premier healthcare brands in the world out there, they have a platform. They chose to take the lead on it. That's fantastic for the rest of us because it's so much easier than for other people to go, well, if Mayo Clinic is doing it, then we can do it too because they do that in so many other ways clinically and, and otherwise. So I just think that's, you know, the more that they can lead that trail, the better for everybody. What about uh, part of what you were saying before, Eric, reminding me of a conversation that happened in the late 90s and I think still happens 10 years later. And we hear kind of flits of it uh, around websites and who should be responsible for websites. So in the beginning, it was the battle between marketing and IT. Right. Uh, of course, we all, Adam, you have a little bit of IT background, but most of us come from a marketing communication. The three of us here kind of been and we would probably all advocate it should be marketing communications. Uh, do you think there are still hospitals out there that have websites, for example, that are run and managed by? I think there are there by the IT I department. There, are, there I definitely there are. are. I, I know there are some local some. There are some that come to mind locally, large, larger systems. It needs to be a partnership for sure. Yes, yes. And I know, I know one in particular that doesn't, marketing doesn't even have necessarily a great content management tool to control the content that's on there. They still are kind of streaming it through an individual in IT who then gets everything put up there, um, which is a major frustration of those in that marketing group. Who shall remain? Nameless. Right. <laughs> it's yes. a good parallel, though, because um, it's, it's going to be the same argument that's happening now. The IT folks, by and large, have great knowledge about the tools. They're interested in them. They mm -hmm. know how to work the back end. Um, they have the technical capability. But like I said, there's just that you have to have those foundational building blocks that a communicator or marketer would have in order to uh, you know, act effectively leverage them to the good of the organization out in the public or behind the firewall too, it doesn't matter. Right. Those are just course those are table stakes. You have to have those core skills and without those I it's gonna be the same it's gonna be the same debate. You're gonna you see would, it play out the next few years. You would but. think though with something like Twitter and Facebook where the need for deep IT technology understanding isn't there. I mean with a website you really need to have somebody that understands like you just said all of the back end, all the opportunities and mm -hmm. things you can do with technology. With Twitter, you don't need that. You, you basically need to know how to use the tool, which almost anybody could be trained. Right. Facebook's a little different, but not much. Right. But so the, maybe it will be a... The thing, that's, the thing that's needed, I think, and lacking in some cases is the... Uh, and I, don't, I, 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 I hesitate to say the willingness of IT, but just that IT recognizes that the communicators need to have a, a method, an easy method in which to manage the content that's up there. If they don't have that, then it's going to be frustrating. They need to, those tools need to exist. Right. And it's not just IT, right? No, it's not. And the, the argument I would make, though, and I'd be interested in your thoughts on this, too, is that, okay, so if we can agree that it's, it would be a communicator marketer's role to lead from a social media perspective, from my, from, from my vantage point, 
once you have the core skills, I can teach someone a little bit of technical skills, right? Mm -hmm. It's harder to teach someone the other side and the foundational, but that takes years to understand those nuances. The technical stuff, I think I can, if it was me and I was running a a marketing department or a communications department for a a healthcare organization, I would think, let me get someone with the core skills. I can teach them the technical side. Right. I mean, that just seems a lot more simple than saying, okay, I'm going to take someone with a deep IT background and try to make them a communicator when that's not going to be the natural tendency where they right, go, you know? Right. Yep, exactly. And, and I still think, you know, one of the other things that we could jump off here talking about Mayo Clinic or any healthcare organization, is it one voice? Is it multiple voices? We're not sure on Mayo Clinic if it's just Lee. Uh, but again, there are um, so many opportunities for the folks that have content that the marketing communications people wouldn't. So those could be physicians. Those could be, you know, you name it. Uh, you know, I follow a few physicians who are Twittering, and I don't know if they have their own. I think most of them have their own practice or they're in a smaller group. They're not within a, a larger system. Uh, but with the right training, with the right guidance, I'm not sure why you wouldn't have a leading cardiologist or a family practitioner or anybody who could really provide some great content for folks out there. I just haven't seen too much of that. Maybe it's just too early. I think you'll see it evolve because I think what that does for a healthcare organization, it gives you more of a face. So mm-hmm. um, that's what Lee, you notice Lee when he tweets. He doesn't tweet. He's not Mayo Clinic tweeting. He's Lee Austin. He's Lee. He, he's representing right. Mayo, but he's the face, right? Right. Mm-hmm. So I think you're going to see more organizations do that. I mean, you see a lot of the local ones, you know, being Alina or whatever it is, North Memorial. But I think you're going to see a shift towards, I mean, people want to connect with people, not brands out there necessarily. So. Right. If a healthcare organization can put more than one person out there as the face, I think that's a good thing. Yeah, it gives I them a better in, uh, insight into the organization and what they offer and, and, and different viewpoints from that healthcare organization yep. as well. Yep, and I think it's, it's a very gradual change. You mentioned Alina and North Memorial, and I actually uh, I kind of gave them some kudos a few weeks ago because they were talking to each other through Twitter. And I thought, well, here are two organizations, maybe we already talked about this, that compete. But they were in Twitter, and you could tell there were people even though the logos are what you see in Twitter, uh, you could tell that it was people going back and forth. And mm-hmm. so it's kind of like, okay, they're not quite to the Lee Ozzy stage where it's you see the person in the picture, it's still their logo, but they're at least coming through as people and not as official press release. Well, and they're, and they're engaging, they're responding, yeah, they're, they're, they're talking instead of just right pushing right. press releases or information out. You see so many people doing that. So it's good. Yeah. Healthcare organizations have a unique opportunity there because – we are a people organization. We take care of people for a living. So um, there's just an inherent opportunity there for us to connect with people in, in a way that other brands and industries don't have the opportunity to do. Right. they got to force it. Where for us, it just that's natural. You know, That's yep. what we do. Yep. All right. Well, I want to move on to another topic that, that I find very intriguing. And Eric, you had suggested we talk about this. It had come out of, uh, was it the HCSM? One it of was. Those? Yeah, night. Okay. Night, right? And it was it was the difference pros and cons of patient endorsement versus celebrity endorsement in i assume health system hospital advertising and marketing right uh very curious i don't see in this market a lot of celebrity endorsements so what were you hearing what were people talking about i think um the bulk of the people agreed that uh patient testimonials or patient endorsements were a far uh better way to go for, and resonated much more strongly with uh patients and um uh, you know, folks out in the general public, which isn't surprising. Right. But there were a small segment of people that were talking about the fact that, you know, well, you know what, there are some celebrity endorsers out there that have worked for healthcare organizations. And their point was, yeah, the patient stories uh, resonate more deeply, but the celebrity endorsements work from a broader 
brand right. awareness perspective. Right. That's the point they are making. And it's like, okay, I can see that. Yeah. Um, I, and it might be a mix. And you're right. Not, there's not a lot of people doing it locally. But my point is, even if you're talking about a really broad brand um, awareness strategy, there's you know there's inherent risks with the celebrity endorsement in that you're, ty- you're hitching your star to a brand a, a celebrity brand that right. you don't know what's going to happen down right. the line right? right we all know that and b I, I think in healthcare it's a little di- different from other industries in that we know that word of mouth is the primary way people come in through the front doors of right. healthcare organizations right. and we know that the sources of trust have shifted from you know leadership um, aver- well maybe not advertising but just you know CEOs um, political figures stuff like that to friends families colleagues that kind of thing right so when when i hear i mean a patient story to me just has a lot more weight than any celebrity endorser even if i'm just thinking of i was trying the way over here i was trying to think of who would be the ultimate endorser someone like oprah like even oprah would you believe oprah before you'd believe your brother in terms of a a lot of people would well if it was if oprah had the question the difference is what are they what are they advocating for you know if oprah had breast cancer and she said, I went to this hospital right, if it was relevant, and, right. and had amazing care. You know that hospital would just be overflowed with people wanting to go there. She has the power. So she's very unique, I think. Beyond that, it would be, would be relative. I think, Adam, I know you got something you, know, you want to add to this, but I'm going to cut you off, as I always do. You son of a <laughs> the, the The downside of patient stories is they're not unique. You know, how do you make a patient story? You think about this market. Everybody use everybody in healthcare, not just this market, uses patient stories. So how do you, yes, they're more compelling, but if, if you're seeing a bunch of them, they start to blend together, whereas a celebrity, if it was compelling enough, would be unique. So I'm not sure one is better than the other all the time. It depends on the celebrity. It depends on the situation. I don't know. Did that make you lose your train of thought? No, no. You know, and I think we've explored, I mean, as an agency, we've explored a few options in that venue too. With recent campaign we did with St. Joseph's, mm-hmm. we took, we, I mean, we blended what we're talking about right now. We took regular patient stories and we set them up as if they were. We tried to have our cake and eat it too. Yeah, yeah. So it was, which was kind of fun. Yeah, and it's had some good results. So, um, you know, I think there are options. I think you just you need to get creative, and that's that's a problem in healthcare is that. People are afraid to take risks. They're afraid to try something new when it comes to advertising. And a lot of, and with that, when that happens, everything looks the same. You've got the same smiling couple walking down the sidewalk, or the same old couple on the tandem bike. You know, the same right. damn picture in every ad. And pretty <laughs> soon, everything just looks the same. Well, now even more so with the with the social media channels. What's what 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 concerns healthcare organizations more now is that you have the ability for patients to tell their stories good and bad right mm-hmm. right yep. so you yep. see what mayo is doing actual right transparency right exactly yeah so that's i think that scares the bejesus out of most healthcare organizations well yeah yes. you've got doctors i mean making their patients sign gag orders before the, <laughs> out of fear out of fear for yeah. what they'll say when it's done well and it it is funny because transparency is supposed to be this big buzzword in healthcare and I can't tell you, it's been at least three or four times where I've heard organizations say, we believe in transparency, we want transparency, we want to promote our scores, we want to promote our ratings, our patient satisfaction scores, but just in these two. You know, here are the 10 categories, but we really want to talk about these two. Well, coincidentally, those are the two that you're doing really well in. We're not going to talk about the other ones. That's not transparency. We're back to typical advertising marketing spin, if you want to call it that. So true transparency would be, you know, like Apple. I think Apple's transparent in that you go there, you go to their, you know, their website where they have message boards. You, I learn more there than 
anywhere else to get help, but it's full of people complaining about bad product releases or glitches or whatever, and Apple's okay with that, uh, whether healthcare will ever get there. Well, and it's, it's such a good opportunity, I think, for healthcare to open up a two-way dialogue. So let's say, for example, let's say someone was out on Twitter and they were, and they were bashing the healthcare for their experience they had at the hospital or clinic or whatever. Wouldn't there be an opportunity there for a representative, whoever it would be, a doctor or just a PR person at a healthcare organization to, to open up a conversation with them and say, okay, hi, my name is so-and-so. I heard you had a really bad experience with right. our facility. What can I do to make it right? How can I help? All yes. of a sudden, you've disarmed that person, and they're going to have to talk about what made – instead of just blasting you just blindly, they're going to have to have a real dialogue about what happened, why did it happen. And you're going to have to be prepared for some really bad stuff there, but – it's, at the end, you know what? It's going to help the healthcare organization improve a process, right. get better, and provide better patient care. Right. And and it's, that's the goal. It seems, it seems like there are, there's plenty that somebody within a healthcare organization can do within the public eye that's not going to violate HIPAA or any privacy standards that are set in place. Some, the, the example you just said, a simple phrase of what can we do to make it right. Mm-hmm. right. Um, maybe then that person goes on to describe the, the poor care they received or what they perceived as poor care. And the... I, I don't know. I could see the the person then responding with, you know, thank you for sharing that. We're going to look into these specific things. There's a lot that can be said to smooth it over and not violate privacy. Well, yeah, and and I don't know if it's research. I mean, this is just something I've always believed, but I'm pretty sure we could find some articles and research to back it up. But the best way to create loyalty often is when there's a problem, and you not only solve the problem, you go above and beyond. Uh, we just had an example of that with with Jackie, who was calling about her phone service through AT&T, I'll give him a plug. And the woman, because we were trying to shift around some, some, some of the plans, and the woman's like, you know, based on your usage, you're, you're overpaying your monthly plans. You should go to this plan. And, and Jackie's like, well, you know, we'll, we'll talk about it and let you know. And she's like, you know, in fact, you've been overpaying enough that we'll just give you $250 credit to apply. And that was not wow. asked for. That was just, you know, that's the kind of thing that makes us go, hey, we're going to talk about it in our podcast. Right. Will we have ever that talked about that? Right. Yeah. So there's, there are opportunities, absolutely, and social media you, opens that up. You know what's a little sad is when you're actually kind of taken aback by things like that when right. it happens. Right. We had that happen with like, the car oh. like last year. Yeah, we, we brought it in. They said that some things needed to be done. We paid like $300 for it to be done. We drove off the lot, and literally the car wouldn't start again, like it, like it, which was the original problem. And I called him up, and I was like, you didn't do anything. My car still doesn't start. So they came and towed it back for free. Um, look at look, took a look at it again, fixed the actual problem, and re- gave us all of the money back for labor and everything wow. for the first um, time it was in. And when they did that, we were just kind of like, uh, "Really?" But you're talking about it. You tell other people, yeah, and you're you'll begin to be more loyal. Yeah, to that them. was the Goodyear shop down by the Edina, there by, the, by Southdale. And, and there's a plug and, for them. And they cared. So they, they cared. it showed yeah. that they cared about, they respected you, and yep. they valued your business. Right. It's kind right. of a long-term thinking versus a short-term game. All right, we're, we're uh, getting close here, and I want to get to one fun thing. It kind of related to the celebrity endorsement, but uh, we kind of have this, this gig we do every once in a while called Ads We Love to Hate. It's not necessarily healthcare ads. But I'm going to throw one out there that I actually like. We blogged about Pepsi's. I didn't know that all of these rebranding things we've been talking about all originated with Pepsi. Right. So we've mm-hmm. talked about kind of slamming the Pepsi logo in this podcast, the backlash against Tropicana's redesign, 
Uh, but they've also done some other things. Mm-hmm. And one of them that I think has been really well done is the new Gatorade branding, which for a while was a tease campaign around G. And it was black and white kind of ads on television. And there was, there was an orange G. And you're like, what is this? Turned out to be Gatorade. But I just thought the ads were very powerful. They had these amazing shots of these celebrities. And I think there were some regular people in there too. But they had Muhammad Ali. They had Tiger Woods. Just really genuine video of these people and i thought that's that's really well done so now it turns out that was part of the same effort that turned out the weird you know half smile logo and the bad tropicana thing so i thought instead of ads we love to hate we could throw in one at least that i like i don't know what do you guys think of that of the g i don't know if they've rebranded gatorade g they're not like kfc is not kentucky fried chicken it's kfc is gatorade now just g i don't think that's the case but not that i'm aware of Either way, I like it. I don't know too much about you that guys. Know what ads I'm talking either. about? I don't. I'm actually not sure. I'll have to. Look. You, Eric, you've seen. I do, and, and the one I haven't seen that I'd really like to see it that I heard is that they did some little outtakes with uh, their celebrities around oh, yeah. the brand, and I haven't seen that yet. And I need to. I'm assuming that's on YouTube, and I just haven't looked at it yet. But I'm I'm curious to see. It is interesting what Gatorade's doing and kind of yeah. repositioning themselves. Yeah, I agree. It was a great Business Week article on on why they decided. Basically, took seven very big brands, completely redid them. Uh, new logos, new advertising, the whole bit. Uh, there were some weird things that they did, like going through all that and then developing a brand strategy for Pepsi, which I thought, well, boy, wouldn't you have kind of thought through these big these big messaging branding points first? But right. some of not the old, how it fell out. Some of the old Gatorade ads kind of were a little gross. I always the, when they the were, orange they were, sweat? Yeah, the people right. were sweating, and it looked like Gatorade coming out of their pores. It was like, what? That? nasty kind of like omega man it's soylent green but it was soylent, <laughs> soylent orange is people <laughs> so all right i don't know if you guys anything else you want to say on that on those any other pepsi brand the other one that they did i didn't realize was i think it was sobe hmm. life water life water mm-hmm. so they had like the is dancing fiance so. and the dancing lizard mm-hmm. which i think was clever i know you guys are that's not. Yes, I've probably so. seen it, but it's not registering. Like I can't. I'm, nothing's coming to Speaking mind for the, the Super Bowl visuals. I don't. I have no insights to add here. So <laughs> no, you know, you know, the one when you mentioned down. that though, the one ad that I've seen recently that I've seen the extended version online that um, it, it's just kind of fun and makes me laugh. Is have you seen the extended version of the Gates Seinfeld uh, Microsoft video where they live at yes uh, yes live yes. at a home and all this thing that <laughs> yep. they're trying to be normal people and yep. all that yeah. stuff. I got a kick. I mean, that's not you know. <laughs> what was but fun, it, it was fun to see Bill Gates being humorous you kind of think of him as kind of just a dry quiet dude so to see him just yucking it up yeah that was funny fun we'll We'll have to save our our i have some opinions on the new microsoft campaign and they're not positive but i want to get into that now i can save that for next time you know which ones i'm talking about right it's because i'm such a mac guy the laptop (laughs) yeah i saw one today i'm like oh i'm rolling my eyes the guy said something like you know i think of Macs as more aesthetic not for their computing power i'm like I think of them as computers that don't crash and are effective. And <laughs> <laughs> but that's we, could have, we could have that conversation yeah, right now. I'm fully on board with that. Are, are, you, are, you, are you Mac? Oh, yes. Okay, so, so it'd be, it'd be, we'd be preaching to the choir big time. It would be Sunday morning at we church. We need a devil's advocate. Us. Right. Yeah, we yeah. would need somebody. We'll have to hunt them down. Maybe we can try to find somebody who will advocate for who's not paid as part of a campaign <laughs> to advocate for them. All right, we're going to wrap it up for... Healthcare Marketing Insights. This is Chris Bevelo. Adam Meyer. Eric Hansen. Thanks for joining us, Eric. That was great. We can Thanks have you back sometime. Me. All right. Join us again next week. Thanks. Thanks.